And uh, it's such a, a blessing to celebrate graduates moving uh, into uh, an awesome part of life, kind of bittersweet in some ways, I'm sure. And then celebrating with folks who've gone from death to life in Christ. And what a blessing today to be able to celebrate those things together. Makes for a packed Sunday morning, but man, I would, I love it. I love this morning coming in, and there's people in the back hall fixing the Lord's Supper, which is another thing we're going to do today. There's, uh, there's folks getting ready for the baptistry and the baptism, and, and folks getting ready to welcome you today. And uh, I'm super excited. And I'm excited today to, to finish out our series that we've been in, Person of Interest. And this series, we've set out to ask the question, does Jesus still matter in a world that rejects him? And today we're going to look at Jesus, the one and only. And we find, and we have found, and we will continue to find, the more we investigate Christ is that, yes, he does matter and he matters infinitely, and he matters fully, and he matters for all of eternity. And next week, we will jump back into our study of Revelation we've been doing for uh, uh, over a year and a half. And we're going to look at just how important Jesus is uh, in the time to come and what he will do at his return. But today, let's continue honing in on this idea of Jesus the one and only. Did you know that every world religion, every religion uh, that followed Christianity, they either modify Jesus, mention Jesus, or merge Jesus into their system of belief? Now, I mean, literally, literally, every, every religion that followed Jesus in some form or fashion looked at Jesus and said, well, we got to do something with that. Whether they believed it or not, whether they differed or not from the thought that was there, they realized they had to do something with Jesus. And so they either modified who he was, they mentioned who he is, or they merged him into their own beliefs. Even those religions that existed before Jesus entered the scene also, after Jesus came, either modify, mention, or merge him into their belief systems as well. I think it's very important for us to realize in asking the question, does Jesus still matter? Yes, every world religion acknowledges Jesus at least. They didn't just outright... Uh, disagree with him or outright dismiss him or reject him even but they accommodated they accommodated Jesus into their worldview now I'm not saying that every world religion believes exactly like you and I did about Jesus that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that they at least saw Jesus and said we got to do something with this guy He's too important for us just to dismiss or, or not acknowledge at all or reject. And so they tried to make him make sense in their own belief system, in their own thought system, in their own ideas, in their own ways. That should have us think and pause for a moment. If, if Jesus was not important, 
wouldn't they just pass him by? If Jesus didn't matter, wouldn't they just continue on and act like nothing ever happened? If you think about it, Jesus entered the scene of, of Israel, right? And his, in, in his entire life, he only uh, traveled within a certain geographic distance. And we know he went to Egypt. We know that he came back and he was in Nineveh and Galilee and uh, Jerusalem and, and Judea and all these places. But he never really traveled much of the world. And this man who grew up in a poor household because his parents, uh, when they went to the temple and when he was 12 years old, they, uh, they, or when they came to consecrate him before the Lord, they, they gave two turtle doves, which is what poor people would give in worship to the Lord. This, this poor carpenter's son, this stone worker's son, this, this, uh, this man that came in, in obscurity, and never traveled very far from his birthplace or from his home considering the whole entire world has literally impacted every continent, every belief system, even art and literature and everything that we've examined and looked at over the weeks of this series. Tell me Jesus doesn't at least need to be looked at, considered, he does. He is that important. Hindus believe that he was a saint. Most Buddhists refer to Jesus as enlightened, even some thinking that he was on his way to Buddhahood and stopped and paused to, to be self-sacrificing. Islam claims Jesus as a prophet. Baha'i affirms Jesus as well. And other religions also seek to integrate Jesus into their belief systems. But though those all want to take Jesus and tack him on to what they already think or what they already believe, listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. He says this, Jesus told Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where everyone else would tack Jesus on, Jesus said, there is no other way than me. Everyone else acknowledges Jesus and merely tries to tack him on to their already believed ideals and ideas. And Jesus says, I am the only way. I am the only truth, and I am the only life. And I wonder where Jesus fits into your life today. Where does Jesus fit into your thought system? Where does Jesus fit in your own beliefs is Jesus merely, did you come in here today just merely placing Jesus as an add-on to your life, tacking him on to, so he can just kind of uh, just wag his head in approval to whatever you do and however you live and whatever you want to do? Or do you acknowledge, as Jesus said, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life? Where does Jesus fit for you? We cannot 
in any way say that Jesus is not important. We've studied it for 10 weeks and we realize, yeah, he's really important. But at the end of the day, you and I, where the rubber meets the road, we have to decide how important is he to me? Three people today, man, isn't that exciting? Three people today said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And they followed him in the waters of baptism. Charlie, that night he was talking about in the video, we use a couple different books. He was talking about one of those, and we used another one with Lottie recently. And the, the one we used with Lottie was, uh, it asked the question, who will be king? Who will be king? Will it be you or something else, or will it be Jesus? And so Charlie was asking a lot of questions, and you know, he was like, well, do I have to pray out loud, Dad? And I said, well, you don't have to pray out loud, but I'd love for you to. I'd love to be a part of that. And, and uh, he chose not to, so he was real concerned about that. But he said now that he's a Christian, he's, less, uh, he's not as shy anymore, so you'll have to see if that's the truth or not. It was cute. But he uh, prayed to receive Jesus after that conversation on his own. And uh, I had been in his bed with him, reading, praying with him, talking to him. And then I went up to say goodnight to the girls. And just a few minutes later, Charlie comes up the steps and beaming. He's excited. And he, Allison's like, well, tell Daddy what you did. And he says, I made Jesus my king tonight. And that's what you and I have to do. Is Jesus just another add-on? Or is he your king? Is he your master? Is he your Lord? Is he who you live your life for? Is he everything to you? Because he does matter, but the question of the matter is, does he matter to me? And how much does he matter to me? Jesus was sharing these words that I just read to you from John chapter 14 with Thomas and his disciples. And these passages, this passage is going to guide our time. We're going to look at this passage, John chapter 14, 1 through 11. Of course, 6 is in there. As we consider Jesus, the one and only. Would you read in your Bible with me there? If you're able, uh, we want to honor God's word. And so I'd ask that you stand to read these 11 verses with me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. Jesus said to him, I've been, Have I been among you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I think there's really only two things in this passage that we need to consider today. And uh, I pray, though it may be short and brief, I pray it is impactful to you because it really is everything. The first thing is that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. Jesus' disciples wanted to know that the way to God and who Jesus was and why he mattered. And Jesus told them, I'm going to leave you and prepare a place for you so you can be with me. And they said, how? We don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the door. I'm the way you get there. I'm the passageway. I am the one that you need to follow. I am the way there. Do you know that some of the first Christians actually called themselves the people of the way? Before others noticed that they were Christians or little Christ or little anointed ones following after Jesus and almost was in a mockery in the church in Antioch back in, uh, in the book of Acts. Before that, they called themselves the people of the way. Why? Because they were people of Jesus. They were following the way. They were following Jesus, the one, the only, the only way. This isn't any way. It's not a way. Jesus says, I am the way. You and I can try to tack Jesus on to other ideas and thoughts, and it's foolish to do so. Other religious beliefs of our own may be legalism or maybe licentiousness. And if we add anything to Jesus, we falter and we fail, and it's foolish. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You and I need nothing else than Jesus. You don't need religion. You don't need the religious pursuit that we often uh, busy ourselves with. You don't need to be busy about following every jot and, and little tittle of the law so that you can somehow, by your good works, please God. Now, I'm not saying that we don't trust the law of God or that we don't trust the law of Christ and we don't trust the truth. I'm just saying we can't put our hope in that. We can't put our hope in our ability to follow it. How did that work for the Israelites? Again and again and again and again and again. They failed. They failed time after time. And God would redirect them, and they'd fail again. And God would redirect them, and they would fail again. And they would be directed, and they would fail again. They put their trust in their ability to be good enough and follow the law enough, and that's not enough. You and I must follow Jesus and trust what he has accomplished on our behalf that you and I never could do in our own strength. You don't have the ability to be good enough for God Almighty to look at you and say, yep, I'll let you in based on your merits alone. Paul, Pharisee of the Pharisee, apostle of the apostles, who followed the law of God to the nth degree, said, my righteousness is as filthy rags, as un." 
worthy. It's like refuse. It has no glory in and of itself. It's worthless. And if Paul, who could do all that and follow all those things to that degree, would come to the realization that he needed Jesus' righteousness, not his own, shouldn't you and I also realize we need Jesus, not anything else that adds to it? On the flip side, you and I oftentimes will, will, will take our wants and our desires, the things that we don't want to give up to Christ, and we will take those and say, well, you know, I know, you know, mostly I follow Jesus, mostly I love Jesus, but I want to hold on to this, and I want to keep this thing in my life, whatever that is. It could be a million things that the world is trying to convince us that we should hold on to, and just everyone else should just not worry about it. But the thing is, is that Scripture tells us you can't serve two masters. It's either all in on Jesus or it's nothing. You and I cannot simply tack on Jesus and expect him to come in and say, well, I'll let that slide again and again and again and again. No, he comes into our hearts and lives and he sanctifies us gradually over time. I'm not saying that we won't falter. I'm not saying we won't fail. I'm not saying we won't slip up. But if we continue to hold on to the things that we think that we need or desire or whatever this world offers. And that's where we put our hope and our trust rather than in Jesus as fully and completely as we can, trusting in him and his righteousness, not our own and not our ability to get rid of that stuff in our life. If we place our trust in those things and hold on to them, it is foolish as well. Paul addressed this in the book of Romans as well. Paul addressed Christians in Rome who said, well, uh, I'm going to continue sinning so that God's grace may increase and and bound uh, more and more uh, abound. But Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Let it not even be named among you. Not even be thought of as a thought. No. What we do is we receive the free grace of Jesus Christ who bought our pardon based on no merit of your own, based on his merit alone. And we place our trust in him fully and wholly knowing that he's the one that accomplishes our righteousness. He's the one that forgives us of our sins. He's the one that makes us right before God. And then, after that has happened, we say, God, will you help me today to walk in your truth and in your word and trust in you again and more each and every day? We cannot simply tack Jesus on to either our uh, legalism or our... Uh, licentious way of living living however we want to and just saying well we tack Jesus on and he'll forgive us and it'll be okay we can't do either we must trust in Jesus Jesus is not simply something to be added to our lives Jesus is the only thing that matters for you and I and does Jesus still matter today yes He immensely matters for the world, but also for you and me. So we see in this passage, the first thing I think is very important for us to realize is Jesus is the only way. 
The second thing is really something that we need to kind of turn to ourselves and ask ourselves. And that is, is Jesus my one and only? Is Jesus my one and only? The disciples had to wrestle with this. How can we see the Father, Philip says. And Jesus says, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. You've seen God because you've seen me. There is no other way. You can't be good enough. You can't say a prayer enough times. You can't be baptized enough. I've been baptized four times. You know, it's another story for another time. It was, it was weird. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. So, but not enough baptism is going to save you. Not enough prayers is going to save you. Not enough doing all the right stuff. Not enough going to church is not going to save you. You can't do it. You can't do enough good stuff, but you also can't do enough bad stuff to ruin this for yourself. You can't do enough that will turn the love of God away from you. The only moment that that will turn away from you is if you die in that sin. It's really kind of easy, yet immensely difficult. You have to ask yourself the question and truly mean it and really understand that it is what is most important and you have to ask is Jesus important to me does Jesus matter to me is he my everything is he my all in all is he my one and only is he the one who matters most in my life and friends if you can't say that today with absolute certainty, you may need to do some soul searching. I'm not saying you necessarily have to get saved again. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But maybe you have to look inside and just say, God, why? Why am I more enamored with the things of this world? Why am I so worried about X, Y, or Z, Lord? How can I depend on you and focus on you and find you to be my everything. I can't answer that for you. I can't decide it for you. I, it's something I have to wrestle with every day myself. It's the tension of living in the world but being not of the world. It's this tension of coming face to face with everything that you and I come face to face with every day and still choosing Jesus every time and really coming to grips with the fact that he chose you and loves you and desires to have your attention and desires to have your heart just a moment you and I will have an opportunity if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've confessed your sins before him today, then you and I will get to participate in a communion service where you and I uh, eat a little cracker and drink some Welch's grape juice and remember what Christ did for us. Remember his body. Remember his blood. But it's more than that. It's more than that. 
It's acknowledging. It's, it's a symbolic moment to acknowledge that Jesus is the most important person to you. That's why Paul says, don't take it lightly. Don't take it if there's unconfessed sin in your life. Don't take it if you've got aught with your brother or sister. Lay, lay all that at the table. Go get it right and then come back. So the question I have is, in just a moment, our deacons will come, we'll pass this out, is, is Jesus your one and only? And if he is, you have an opportunity to take a, a cracker that represents his body broken for you and to drink a, a cup to remind you that his Love, that God's wrath was poured out on Jesus and Jesus' love was poured out for you and his blood was poured out for you so that you could be covered. And it's this moment to remind ourselves that we are consecrated to him. We are set apart. We are made holy because he is holy and because he loves us. My prayer is that as we take that, it will impact our hearts and our lives in a very real and tangible way. My prayer today is if anyone is here and they've not trusted Christ, if you're here today and you'd love to know how you can make Jesus your one and only, I'd love to share with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you walk into that and understand that and help you walk through that in the weeks to come. Let me pray and our team's gonna come and play over our play underneath our Song and uh, as we and our deacons are going to come as well, we're going to distribute the Lord's Supper and remind ourselves of His body and blood. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're thankful for what you've done in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we're thankful that Jesus Christ died. Your body was broken. Your blood was spilled so that we would never have to question whether or not we were in right standing with you, but that we are in right standing with you because of no merit of our own but because solely of what you have accomplished for us and our trust in that and so God would you help us today to continue to trust in you would you forgive us of our sins Lord so that we may take this meal that we may commune with you in, in truth Lord, we thank you for this moment and this picture of what you've done for us. Help us not to take it lightly. It's in Jesus' name we pray.